0: Well, today in New Zealand sports history, we're staying with the football spirits, looking back at the all-whites' successful qualification for the 1982 World Cup Finals. It was the first time New Zealand's men's football side, we called it soccer back then, of course, first time they qualified, um, and we'll talk today about how they got there. Of course, we only managed to do that one more time in 2010. 28 years later. Well, Winton Roofer, Oceania Player of the Century and the team's striker, was one of the top talents in that 1982 team. We've been trying very hard to get him onto this show for a few years now. He's widely credited as an instrumental part of that campaign and Winton Roofer joins us now. Hello.
1: Good morning, Jesse.
0: What a pleasure. How's things?
1: Very good. I've... uh... Been buzzing in the last days because of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Oh so yeah, it's been really exciting. And despite the fact that the football ferns didn't qualify, it's still been an absolutely amazing tournament. And for all us football fans, we've been loving it.
0: Football has had its moments in New Zealand over the years, and um, we're all talking about it at the moment. Of course, we're all talking about it in 2010. And in a way, does that remind you of those? Days back in 1981, 1982, when it was the sport that captured our attention.
1: Yeah, well, for me personally, at that time, I was looking to become a professional football player. I was over at Norwich City in England, and I was uh, uh, what was called, you know, an apprentice at that time. Yeah. And, um, they wanted to sign me on. There was some issues with the uh, Home Office and about getting a, a visa and. For me, though, it was a dream come true being at a professional club. You know, we had the Sunday at lunchtime would be the big match on TV and then, you know, it was what I grew up dreaming about, becoming a professional player. As I say, I'm at the club there at Norwich City and got in the call-up for the New Zealand side uh, to play in the the last few qualifying games. For me, it was about um, getting my work permit because I had four games with the New Zealand team. I was 18 years old, but apparently I needed six games to get the work permit. So they couldn't send me the work permit. I've <laughs> not been invited to play for New Zealand to play two games. So that was really cool for me to play him against, um, you know, I was in to play against uh, Kuwait and Saudi Arabia uh, away from New Zealand uh, those games. Because in, in that campaign at that time, I was like a non-travelling reserve uh, of, a, of a squad of about 26. Gosh. And I think there were about four non travelling reserves, of which I was one of them. But now they needed, in these last two group games, they needed to win uh, those games at home. That, uh, uh, what did they have? They, Saudi Arabia, they, they drew with Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, well, they lost to Kuwait, so they had to win the games. It was, it was, it was a tough ask, and then they, they, they needed to do something. They brought me in. They needed to score goals, and uh, fortunately I was able to deliver against Kuwait, one goal. We drew 2-2, and then against Saudi Arabia got two goals, and we won 5-0, but the amazing thing was we had the exact same goal difference and, and, uh, with China, so then, there had to be a playoff game.
0: Incredible!
1: I got to go back to New Zealand because we're talking about what was that, December nineteen eighty-one? Yeah. Where I'm now, um, I'd gone over to England in September of that year uh, for trials at Norwich City. They wanted to sign me as a professional, as I say, I couldn't because of. Uh, not having the qualifications in regards to what the Home Office of England required. But I needed these two games, and they were in early December. And because then we had the exact same goal difference uh, as China, there needed to be a playoff game.
0: And I'll point out to people, Winton, that although we, you know, you're inseparable really from our memories of soccer in the 1980s in New Zealand,
1: you were just a teenager at the stage. I was 18 years old. Wow. So it was, for me, it was obviously, you know, it was my dream was to become a professional football player. And uh, I'd worked very really hard, you know, since I was a young kid, you know, kicking the ball, always with both feet, and you know, I could juggle the ball like a Brazilian. I had magic in my seat, and, uh, but it came from just thousands and thousands of hours of training, which really didn't, it came really easy for me. I just had an incredible passion for the game, which I still have today, and got called up for the New Zealand team in those two special games, away to Kuwait, away to Saudi Arabia, and it was a bit of a fairy tale how it sort of turned out that... We were up 5-0 against Saudi Arabia in the first half. That's we incredible. We needed one goal in the second half, and then we would have qualified <laughs> without having to have the playoff
0: game. Qualified for the, um, I'll say, I think the 23 teams for that 1982 FIFA World Cup finals, the 23 of the 24 had already been decided. There was one spot left for those finals
1: in Spain. Yeah, and then the whole world was looking at us because the, um, the 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 draw from FIFA was postponed. It was meant to be happening in December, hey, yeah. Christmas, and they postponed it till January because of the playoff game. So it was. that The whole world was now focused on this game at the time. So it was. It was pretty amazing, and it was uh, it was meant to be a neutral uh, uh, place, which was came out with Singapore, but. <laughs> it was all it was fifty-eight
0: thousand Chinese in there, <laughs> and a couple of thousand expat Kiwis. Wow! So it's New Zealand versus China—an overwhelmingly pro-Chinese crowd. And do you remember how you were feeling ahead of that? I mean, it must it was it had already been a, a huge campaign. It must have really felt within your grasp. But then, of course, you're up against a superpower.
1: Well, at the end of the day, for me personally. It was a real dream come true. It was just all happening. You're in this, you know. Now back with the New Zealand team, I was scoring goals. I was super confident. Uh, we had I had Christmas at home. We were in camp with the New Zealand side. Um, you know, we were sort of already heroes at that stage. It was all really. It was a real dream come true. Then we uh, got on the plane, flew to, to uh, Singapore. It was just just living the dream. I just turned 19 on the 29th of December, 1981. I turned 19 and now this is, uh, you know, a few days later. Yeah. We're flying over to Singapore for that January 10th game. And uh, 60,000 against the Chinese have this playoff game. The whole world was watching us. And Steve Wooden and myself, we delivered the goods in and, and, and both scored and we won two one against China and we got us to the World Cup.
0: Incredible. Would I be right in thinking that our national team wasn't even known as the All Whites before that nineteen eighty two campaign?
1: Well that's where it was sort of coming out. There's probably others who who can have a, a, a answer this better than myself, but I mean we, we you know we played in the white shirts and I don't know I, I well, yeah, probably I'm the wrong one to ask in that regard because, again, I was just a teenager living yeah. the dream, and 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 you know, I was it was having a ball. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. Did Did you know that you officially were part of the longest qualification path in World Cup history?
1: Yes, and that will probably stay for a long time because <laughs> the the problems with the what they call the FIFA match calendar. Where uh, you know the teams are allowed to sort of play their uh, national games and, and can call the, all the players from the professional leagues, so it's uh, you know very uh, well guarded in regard to the, the men's games. So those long campaigns, they, they just won't happen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that one will be for the history books potentially forever.
0: And just before we get to that game against China. Um I mean, you mentioned that you were trying to get a professional contract at that point. Of course, you did get that contract and ended up um, being one of the most famous names in world football. But, um, but a lot of these guys you were playing alongside w- weren't professionals.
1: Now, yeah, look, it was it's fine. It's like anything you play in, and then even afterwards, when I went and played with the New Zealand side, uh, wasn't perhaps in, in, in a few campaigns for the World Cup after I played that first one in '82. You know, we—I'd we, say it was, it was one of the best teams that I ever did play with. I, I was sort of involved in about four or five campaigns for New Zealand, and uh, but that first team, that that '82 uh, that side, even though it was half British, you know, it was an outstanding side. Uh, really good players, Steve Sumner and um, some brilliant guys in the team, and yeah. So the. Yeah, just yeah, you're just living the dream, and then and and you're you're in this environment with, uh, with the New Zealand national team. It's it's obviously it, you know it's a really proud moment as, a, as as an individual, you know, playing for your country and you know representing your country and. Uh, d- d- even though I was trying to become a professional player myself, it's a really special situation when you're able to play, you know, with the World Cup. It's like now with the girls here at the, the Women's World Cup, you know. Anneli Longo played in five World Cups. Uh, Betsy it. played in four World Cups. You know, each time I talk to the girls, because they came through Winners My Academy, and, and they just love it when they're able to play, you know, at the World Cup uh, with the national team. So it's a really special To play with your national side, it's something that is amazing. Even though, obviously, the club football and become a professional football player, you know, with your club is also uh, very yeah. So they're both sort of unique uh, situations for an individual player.
0: So you mentioned already. We uh, spoiler alert: we beat China that day, two one, made it through to the FIFA World Cup finals in Spain. Would you mind talking us through your goal?
1: Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, in the first half, the, one of the uh, Chinese defenders, he hammered me in the head with, a, with his elbow, and um, I had I was semi-concussed. Uh, I had a bandaged um, head, and I had this um, above my, um, I think it was my right eye, um, I had to switch actually after the game. Gosh, but I got it in the. I got the knock in the first half, and the ref didn't pick it up. Yeah, I mean it was quite normal behaviour for a defender to turn everything they can to, you know, break down the attacks, uh, destroy the attackers. I took a hammering, so the goal I scored was in the second half. I don't remember, and it was early in the second. Come half. Come on. I don't remember, no, because I was semi-concussed. And, uh, but that, that's what happens in football. If you work and train enough with the ball, things just come as instinct. And obviously from the TV pictures, Richard Wilson, the goalkeeper, he kicks it from his hands. Uh, Grant Turner, he flicks it on with his head. Uh, the Chinese defender that was sort of close to the ball after the flick on from Grant Turner, he should have really got the ball, potentially. Anyway, he sort of missed it. It's come to me. I think one touch outside the area, just smashed it in the top corner.
0: 25-metre strike.
1: So, But as I say, personally remembering the goal, <laughs> I can talk about lots of other goals. I don't actually remember because I was semi-concussed.
0: Oh, my gosh. So, as you said, you... Um, you're already one up at that point, so that was two nil. Um, and then I guess it's just kind of holding on for dear dear life because you've you've got another forty minutes or so to play.
1: Yeah, they the, the Chinese scored with about fifteen minutes to go, and it was you know you end just battling away in the heat in Singapore because it was uh, you know with a fifty eight thousand Chinese in the stadium, you know were more or less cheering for the Chinese, so. No, it was it was amazing what we we did and uh, achieved and yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately there's only been two World Cups that we've ever qualified for, so nineteen eighty two and two thousand
0: and ten. Yeah, the men's team at least. Um do you remember the the final whistle?
1: No, again, I was at that stage <laughs> I'd, I was off the field and um, you know, dehydration, um if I, I noticed as well after the game I was the only one who wasn't been joining with the celebrations I was I was hammered oh gosh and, um, got my eye stitched up from the you know came with the doctor and I was in bed while everyone else was having a party so that's
0: all good mm. what a moment for football in New Zealand and, and other people have pointed out of course that the timing was quite good because the previous year it had been the Springbok tour and so a lot of people were feeling a bit down on on rugby, probably quite a good moment for for soccer as it was then to rise
1: yeah it was it was and and I mean at the end of the day you know whatever successes that the so the all blacks would have and you've got a win in sport it's all about winning, so whatever sport it is if, if some um, in New Zealand there's a winning if it's Olympic Games or you know uh, as long as you're winning. Uh, the people will follow you. So we were winning, and then you qualified for the World Cup, so it did uh, capture the attention of, 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 you know, all of New Zealand. Then we had, then you know, friendly games against other top uh, nations, and Watford, who was owned by Elton John, you know, they came down to yeah. play games. So the whole thing was it was just a big fairy tale. Uh, about what was going on? And and that was the you know because of winning, you know, and that's what happens and, yeah, it worked out really good for us.
0: In terms of career highlights for you, Winton, was that one right up there?
1: Sure, look, qualifying for a World Cup is is, is clearly, you know, something big, especially because we we haven't done it, uh, unfortunately, on on many occasions. Clearly, it's, it's, it's always going to have a special memory for me, but, you know, as I mentioned, it's about winning. And you know to win competitions, which I was able to do with Berta Bremen from Germany. We won the German League, we won the German Cup final. I scored in both finals. Oh, you know, great. ninety-five thousand in the Berlin Olympics. So wow. With Jack Lovelock uh, got ninety-three yeah. gold medal for for, for New Zealand at the Olympic Games. So you know, you know I was champ played in the Champions League and, and and was a Champions League top goalscorer. You know, so I was quite fortunate that I had a you know, few special moments in the, you know, the professional game, yeah. as I say, with the club. But, of course, playing for New Zealand and playing for your national side is always something very special as well.
0: Who do you remember among your opponents or, or other great football players that you met? Who, who sticks with you?
1: <laughs> well, probably the best story, or one of the best, is we're in Sevilla and we're about to play Brazil, it was um, our final group game because we'd played against Scotland and uh, we'd lost 5-2. Uh, they had an unbelievable team, Kenny Dalgleish, Graham Sooners, Alan Hanson, uh, Steve Archibald. I mean, they were just all household names for us, Kiwis who were following, you know, the big match on yeah. TV and you know, even for myself at that stage now, a professional player, a uh, teenager. You know, you played Scotland. Okay, we lost 5-2. Then we played Russia. And and they were top sides in, in world football with uh, Das Ais, the goalkeeper, uh, world-class goalie. Oleg Blokken was European Player of the Year. And um, you know, we lost to them 3-0. And then you got the final group game in Sevilla, Spain, and 55,000 in the stadium. It was just, you know, it was a dream come true because Pelé... Uh, the great Brazilian was my, you know, God. At that stage, I wasn't a, wasn't a Christian, so he was the, the the one. He was the God for me. <laughs> <laughs> Today, Jesus, but at that time, it was ballet And then um, we're playing Brazil, so I'm out on the on the field and out before the game. I got my camera. I knew where my parents were sitting because they were in the stand and taking photos and, and just having a ball, and because I knew we were going to get hammered. we lost the first two games. We were going to get, you know, Brazil, who were at that stage just playing unbelievable yeah. football. They'd um, beaten Russia 2-1. They'd, they'd, after losing one against Scotland, ended up getting hammered 4-1. And they just played this uh, Joco Benito football, uh, this just amazing style of play. That we, you know we know the Brazilians by with Zico Socrates Falcao Junior just an absolutely amazing team. It was one of the greatest teams in the history of football Gosh. not to win the World Cup and we' are now about to play them and <laughs> I come back into the, the to the changing rooms after being you know taking photos on the field when I should have been warming up and then getting <laughs> out of the changing room. <laughs> Pele of our New Zealand changing room. And I'm just completely blown away. He walks past me says, hello. we just come out of our changing room. I can't believe it. It's my hero. And they come into the changing room and the team's just completely blown away. And they've all got their shirts signed and their balls signed. And I missed it. <laughs> I was doing the first thing out on the field. I missed out of meeting my, my my idol. I was just completely blown away. No wonder I got dragged in that game. I was crap. So <laughs> I, was, I think it was more, it was disappointed that I, you know, missed out on meeting Pelé. LA.
0: <laughs> you did eventually meet him, though, didn't you?
1: Yeah, no, I, I got, you know, Sir Blatter, the president, uh, the end of the, the 90s, when he became president in 1998. He formed the football committee. With Palais, Johan Cruyff, Franz Beckenbauer, Bobby Charlton and Winton Rufus. So I got lucky. I was one of the 18 on that original um, football committee formed by uh, Seth Blatter, the, the president at the time. And so, yeah, twice a year I had to I had to go to Switzerland and sit next to Palais. So it, it was a real struggle.
0: You got to know him?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I'm still his ex-wife at the time. We, um, since I've been in, in, in touch with her over all the years, because her favourite place to come to that she'd never visited was was uh, New Zealand, mm. and it was unfortunately while Pelle was living, I even had the finance to bring him here, but we could never get through to uh, find a date, and, and and she was the one, even though have got about three agents and. Um, she was the one who was trying to instigate uh, for Palais to come to New Zealand, which would have been just absolutely phenomenal. Because I got the Brazilian World Cup uh, captain from 1994, Bunga. I got him and uh, brought him to New Zealand mm. in um, about 2002, 2003. So um, missed out on getting Palais. But anyway, still, still in touch with Aziria, it's her name.
0: She's, yeah, you must have been sad when he uh, died last year.
1: Yeah, well he actually unbelievably passed away on my sixtieth birthday December oh. twenty ninth of last year. And uh yeah, it was uh Gosh. It was amazing. We, we, we he'd been he'd been unwell for, for quite a few years and battling with cancer. And um and then finally, uh, on my birth on my sixtieth birthday, so succumbed to cancer. cancer yeah. He was born in nineteen forty. Uh twenty well, 23rd of October 1940, so um, yeah, it was a bad moment for uh, world football.
0: Well, I've really enjoyed looking back on this time, Winton. Do you think we'll get there again, the men's team, to the FIFA World Cup finals?
1: Well, we should do next time round because then Oceania has a free spot, so huh. it's going to be 48 teams, uh, oh. you know, but. Look, the, the island nations are, you know, doing good development. Uh, I'm here with FIFA at, at a FIFA coaching course for the Pacific Island nations Great. here in Auckland currently. So, I'm just uh, unofficially a part of, 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 of this uh, FIFA setup here and, and what they're trying to do for the development of the game, as I say in the other uh, Pacific Island nations. So. But of course New Zealand's always the favourite though um, on behalf of Oceania to get through the men's or the women's uh, competitions to qualify for the World Cup. So um, we're again clearly the favourite.
0: Yeah, I bet bet a lot of Kiwis took up uh, soccer, football after seeing you guys in 1982 and hopefully the same happens with a lot of girls and young women after watching these World Cup finals here in New Zealand. 100%
1: 100% because if you just, some of the games I've been to, you know, again, just USA against Portugal, 44,000 at Eden Park. Yeah. Uh, Italy against Sweden, uh, 29,000 in Wellington. Mm. This is women's football yeah. here great. in New Zealand. It's been unbelievable.
0: Great. I've so enjoyed talking to you. Winton Roofer, thank you for your service to the sports and for all the great memories you've provided New Zealanders. All good, you're very welcome. Winton Ruther, Oceania Player of the Century, and part of that incredible team of All Whites uh, who got us through to the 1982 World Cup finals.